and go. Hi, guys. It's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit, and I'm Dr. Lisa. Can you believe how crazy this is? I, I mean, this is so surreal to all of us. Um, just so you know what's going on right here is I am going to be, I am doing a Zoom interview with the amazing woman and her campaign manager, Emily Gallagher and Andrew Epstein. And Emily Gallagher is running for state assembly. She's going to oust an old fart guy, I'm just gonna say it, who's been there for a million years and we're gonna get one hell of a fabulous uh, woman in there. But um, just before we get started, I just wanna like say, you know, thanks for listening. There's no reason why you still, you know, we need more help than ever, guys. I mean, this is crazy. So think about us, listen to us, you know, send us notes, stay, stay with us. You can get an app on your phone, download it, be with us 24 seven. We've got great programming, all sorts of programming. We also have Emily Scott on with us today and she's kind of, um, well, since you know, you know I don't know that much about local politics, guys. I just don't, okay? You know, I can talk about, you know, Trump and his psychology forever. I find it like kind of horribly fast. Like it's a, a car crash, watching a car, a train wreck, train wreck, or maybe just a whole fleet of airplanes crashing all at the same time would be a better metaphor. But nevertheless, uh, he is. Uh, so anyway, uh, we have Emily Scott, who is one of our hosts of a great show called Objection to the Rule, which is on every Sunday at 1 p.m. And Emily Scott is, a, you know, really good. I mean, the show's great. Listen to it, okay? So uh, thanks a lot again. It's Dr. Lisa every Thursday, 2 to 3. So, and we're going to be doing this. Did I say we're doing this on Zoom? We're doing this on Zoom. We're going to keep doing it on Zoom. I'm going to be on Zoom every week with new, epi new episodes, new psycho psychotherapy sessions. Call it what you want. And I'm going to be here for you guys, okay? So it's a crazy fucking time. It's, uh, we're all, everybody is going through a huge amount of emotional stress. This is like nothing anyone's ever been through. Um, it's a certain sort of a big loss, a loss of the lives as we know it, an uncertain future. I'm not trying to be a downer, folks. Here's what I'm trying to say. If you're feeling like this is so fucked up, I'm going out of my mind. You are not alone, okay? So we just got to all stick together. I am here for you. You know, it's Dr. Lisa Levy SP on Instagram or Twitter, whatever. Get in touch with me. I'm here to help you if, you, if I can, okay? So let's um, start. I want to start with Emily Gallagher. So Emily, um, the thing about, like, as I was saying to you when we you know, a little earlier was that I think your story is particularly fascinating as somebody who is running for state assembly and how you got 
you know, and how you've gotten into this position and you're like a regular person. And I just want, what I really want is for the listeners, our listeners, you you people out there to understand why, what, what is, Emily is one of us. Emily is a regular person who has lived through a lot of her own trials and tribulations, who has a talent, not necessarily a drive for power, like a lot of politicians. And that is, in my mind, rare. Sadly, horrible, and rare. So we are talking value-wise that politicians like Emily stand for something important. Okay, we got that? So what I want uh, Emily to do now is, um, Emily, if you could just describe a little bit, I want you to talk, Emily. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I want you to start out by describing just a little bit about how you got into, you know, just very briefly, how you got into what you're doing now. And then I want to hear more about your background and where your drive to be in the position that you're in now came from. So explain to us a little bit what you're running for and how you got to it. And then we'll talk about who you are next. Okay. Okay, great. So thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. Likewise. Yeah, so my name is Emily Gallagher, and I am running for uh, a state assembly position that would represent Williamsburg, Greenpoint, and part of Clinton Hill. And uh, I am really coming from the background of a community activist, and as you said, a regular person. I have worked uh, primarily in education but I've also worked retail. I've had uh, periods of my life where I was juggling three part-time jobs to make ends meet. I worked um, at first in the art world, then in public history, and then I moved into community affairs. Uh, that was my professional life. And then um, my, my personal life, I, I really became very interested in first environmental issues and environmentalism. So I started getting curious about um, the urban environment and what was going on in my community. And I learned about um, the fact that I live in an environmental justice community, which means that the land and water in my community is so toxic that it actually has state and federal mandates for cleanup. Wow. Uh, So I first became really interested in that. I joined an activist group when I was about 24. And I learned through the activist group how the government really worked and how intersectional all the different components of issues were, how environmental issues impacted health issues, how health issues were impacted by housing issues, how all of this was connected to racism and, and classism and really how the workforce was treated impacted all of this as well. So I really started to see the interconnection through activism. I met people who worked in government. I met people who worked in advocacy and I met people who are impacted by the policies themselves. 
And as I moved through that experience, I started to realize that being an activist is probably the most important thing that we can do in our free time. And that for activists to have success, they need to have an audience that is open and willing to work towards good solutions for uh, what people are actually experiencing on the ground. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is that there is a lot of concern for us to have, especially with the state government level, because there's a lot of, as you said, people who are in government because they want power, they want connection, and they want to be the decision maker not necessarily because they want to see society change for them. Right. And tell, and who are you, and tell me just a tiny bit about the guy you're running against. Like he's been around for how long? So uh, the person in the position now has had the position for 48 years now. Uh, and before that, his father- That's crazy, right? Like, is that insane? What yeah. happens? Wait, I just want to say, so- do people just go to the poll and vote? They don't think about it? Or how does that happen? Well, I can tell you a little bit um, that for many, many years, uh, I, I was hearing in advocacy circles, the only political circles, the only seat that was a welcome run was one that was an open seat. The term uh. limits were up. So don't don't contest any power. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, city positions have term limits. State positions don't. So basically uh, what people have been saying for many decades is you can run for city office, but don't you dare run for a state office uh, unless somebody steps down. Interesting. Well, that's really, that's really, really important. And, you know, I'm not aware. I didn't know that. No one, no one's aware right. of that. And it's important. I want to get Andrew in before we start talking more about you, your, your back, your yeah, life, sure. Emily. But um, I want Andrew, I think this is a great time to uh, let everybody know what they can do to get involved, what your campaign. Okay, obviously, we're all fucked in our own way. So this campaign, um, I know you guys are doing like a really uh, excellent job of getting everything moving online. You were going to be doing door to door, but you know, you guys are, I mean, Andrew has very deep experience managing campaigns and I know you guys are doing a great job moving everything online. And we are going to have an election on June 23rd. That's, so you you guys listening, you better fucking vote. Pay attention. You got to vote. This is more important now than ever. But I want Andrew just to briefly tell us what we can look for and how we can get involved in your campaign. Thanks so much. Um, so I think we're thinking about this right now as we scramble to readjust to this um, really wild and unprecedented new reality and um, kind of gone back into our homes. Uh, for the reasons of social distancing and social solidarity, I think we're trying to think of these things in two ways. On the one hand, we are trying to make resources available to folks in North Brooklyn through the platform and the megaphone of our campaign. And one way and, we're doing and the that- the website, the website, what, what's the website? emilyforassembly.com. Mm -hmm. And on all social media platforms, EM, the number four assembly. 
Okay. Uh, and folks should sign up for our emails at emilyforassembly.com. It's the best way to get uh, up to date. So we're kind of doing two things. For, for people who just want kind of resources, information, um, some kind of connection in this moment, we're hosting uh, weekly town halls on Friday at Fabulous. Noon. Guys, uh, listen to this. Halls. This is fabulous, okay? Listen, take notes. I just want you to know, I'm putting a flashing sign out. Okay, go ahead. Sure. So last week we did our first one on Friday. Emily interviewed uh, a really renowned, really amazing tenants rights lawyer named Sam Himmelstein. She posed a bunch of questions to him. We took a lot of questions from the audience about what renters are facing in this moment. Uh, we're calling for a suspension of rent, full stop, while this economic meltdown is happening. Um, but he took a lot of practical questions too. If you need to get out of your lease, how do you do that? How do you organize with other tenants in your building in a moment when you can't be physically near them? We covered a lot of really good ground. That whole video is available at emilyforassembly.com slash tenants town hall. Okay. emilyforassembly.com slash tenants town hall. This Friday, Emily is going to interview some folks in the small business community in North Brooklyn, the storefront shops that are facing an existential threat right now from a complete collapse of revenue, a complete collapse of customer base. So that'll be this Friday at noon. Separately, Friday if folks want to, Friday is at noon. The one On your website, now, so we can just go to your website and, and there's a link there, is that yeah. it? Okay. Um, the, the one for Friday, we need to set up the, the link for it. Um, it's gonna be, people can participate in two ways. They can either join the Zoom call which will have a particular link, which we'll have, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or we're going to live stream it simultaneously through our YouTube channel. So the oh, easiest fabulous. way for folks to do that is just to look for Emily for Assembly on YouTube and subscribe to that channel. Oh, everything okay. will be there. And uh, it's we'll a live four. It. It's a four. Emily for Assembly with the numeral four. Yeah, Wonderful. That's, that's a really so great service. On social thing, media, we're um, Emily for numeral four, and on the website, it's F O R. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Exactly. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> so, no, no, it's a good. Perhaps we should have been. Um, so the one other thing I'll say, the second thing I'll say is that um, for folks who want to get involved with the campaign, and I will tell you that we are running against somebody who has hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank from every kind of special interest you can imagine. Casino developers, real estate developers, wow. Monsanto, wow. Pfizer, corrections union, oh, police man. union. Wow. He is sitting on a treasure trove. Of wow. money. We don't we don't have that. We're raising what we need to get by. But the thing that we have is going to be the dedication and enthusiasm of everyday people chipping in, not just with money, I'm saying, but with calling voters, texting voters. And mm -hmm. we're going to have a volunteer meeting this Sunday at 4 p.m. Sunday, uh, for, 4 p.m. volunteers. Yep. And that and that website that to sign up an RSVP, go to emilyforassembly.com slash March 29. Because that's the date when it's happening. Guys, you have nothing else to do. You're not doing anything. Do that. That's something <laughs> you can do it to help. OK, make yourselves Absolutely. useful. <laughs> so that's 4 p.m. on Sunday. We're going to learn how you can call voters, text voters, email with voters. And here are your ideas. I'm sure there's a million creative ideas in North Brooklyn about how we can raise the visibility. You know, of I just campaign. want to make this one point. Like, when listening to you, I'm really surprised how many big corporations, Monsanto, all these corporations are involved in the state assembly election. Yep. This, yep. this corporation, um, whatever, web, is way more insidious than, like, when you start thinking about it, that's fucking scarier than the fucking pandemic. The pandemic yeah, went away. You know, is not we, going away. 
Absolutely. We just had, I mean, this is just a perfect example. You know, uh, uh, last month, uh, the real deal, a real estate website reported that, um, that Joe, Joe Lentil's largest donor last cycle, $4,500 was a dark money pack called mm -hmm. GIA pack that it turned out this reporter found out was essentially a shell pack, a dark money pack for Genting, which is a mm. Singapore based wow. casino development and wow. palm oil production corporation. They have business before the state of New York. They want to buy more casinos. So what do they do? They dump $4,500 in a favored incumbent's bank account. That is That's so how this freaky. works. That is so freaky. So Emily, let's start about, let's start with like your life today. You were talking about your job. What's going on with your life right at the moment? What's changed since the pandemic for you personally? Or can you talk about that? Emily, can you hear me? Yeah, so, yeah, I can hear you now. I, I'm having a little connectivity problem. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, okay, uh, no, no worries. Where it's this coming is, from. No, we're all, you know, go ahead, go ahead. So tell us about- Okay, yeah. so, uh, so for, for the last four years, I've been the community affairs director um assistant Wait, well, director. i'm sorry i had a co-director by the way guys emily has a very busy day job she's not making money this is not a paid career state assembly she actually has a real serious job or had go ahead sorry well um state assembly once you get into the position is paid but it's oh. impossible once you're as you're as a candidate and this is one of the problems with our electoral system that we want to work to change uh, which doesn't favor incumbents, right? Um, How much does it pay? Sorry. Uh, I think it pays around $100,000 now. Oh. For a long time, it paid $70,000. Oh, okay. Um, and it mm -hmm. used to be considered a, a part-time job, mm -hmm. but uh. now now they're they're shifting it to being uh. a, a full, like, right. like you can't have other income. So I don't want to get, get you off the topic. Tell us about what's going on with your job. So, right. So because I, I, had a, I had a really big uh, period of really thinking deeply about um, if I was even able to run because of the fact that I don't come from money and I don't have um, really like any kind of super backup. Like I have a savings, I'm a responsible person. Um, but my savings is, you know, what I'm able to scrape myself into like a savings account. Right. Um, are you single? Do you live alone or are you single? Do you have a family? Uh, I, I have a partner, but um, that's- You don't have a family or kids. Right, right. No family. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's what we need to know. Um, so, uh, so basically I decided uh, that I would run for office while- still working my day job and I got permission from my day job to do this, but it meant that I still had to fulfill the requirements of my full-time job while doing right. um, this the, is your, right. the campaign, which meant that I was basically doing two full-time jobs, which is one of the reasons why Andrew and I have been working so closely together. And also because we're grassroots, Andrew's also had to work multiple other jobs uh -oh. too. Um, so uh, I would say, you know, there's several candidates in our position for state assembly because one of the main things we want to change are these rules around, you know, term limits, around 
like matching funds, like the state offers no support for um, people who are challenging. The, the situation is really um, set to protect the people who have already been in office and to keep those people in office having, um, you know, coming from a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. you know? Right, 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 right. Um, so, uh, yeah, so right. I, I've been working and it was, it was stressful to do both. And, you know, I had a dream that I would be able to save enough through the year to be able to quit. And I decided that I couldn't really do that um, when we got to about February. But then with coronavirus popping up, I worked in community affairs uh, for an international company. And I was in charge of our sites on the East Coast. And what I was really responsible for was making sure that my company was serving and being good to the communities that our company was located in. And I so thought that was a really cool position. Yeah, that, no, that's really, yeah. But that's like a huge organization, right? How many, so you were the East Coast supervisor. So how many sites yeah. were you in charge so of? So I was in charge of um, four sites. Mm -hmm. I was just in charge of the Gateway properties. So I was in charge of New York City, Boston, DC, and Chicago. Yeah, that's a lot. And, um, and so with coronavirus, we, were, we, we realized we had to shut everything down. Um, because we couldn't be in, inviting. Oh, right. Hospitality. Yeah. You had and the same problem Donald Trump has. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not even know? funny, but. So it's funny yeah, when it's you realize funny. you have things in common with Donald Trump, right? <laughs> so, so, um, so they laid us all off last week. Uh, and we didn't really have any warning. Uh -huh. uh, we were just told to report to Wednesday morning meeting on Zoom. And we were told that, you know, we just, the, the budget was crashing and they had to get rid of anybody who was really in charge of the the person facing roles. So, so I feel really, you know, the, the silver lining to this is that I actually am experiencing with my constituents what it means to suddenly transition to not having an income to what it means to like not know what's going to happen to the industry i've been working in the the work i've done throughout my life in education and um and community affairs these are people gathering together to be part of a in-person community so with this now suddenly we can't be in person together. It's like a whole new world for my industry. Every every company that I've ever worked for in the city has laid off all their workers. Mm. Yeah. So, what did it feel like when you got fired? What was that meeting like? What was that Zoom? If you don't mind telling. Oh me. yeah, I'm happy to. <laughs> um, it 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 caused me to feel very angry for the first few days. How many people were on the meeting? Was it like 10 people, 20 people, 50 people? It was about, it was about, um, 12 people. Okay. Um, four of the executive staff, like the senior vice presidents right. were in an office in DC. And then the rest of us were on our home computer. And you were all getting fired as a group? Right. Okay. All right. Go ahead. And, and then it was very uncomfortable because, you know, we had all had a very close relationship with the CEO who is a very nice person. He was like, I know you all personally. I feel very bad about this, but, you know, effective March 31st, you are no longer employed with us. 
Um, we're dissolving your department. So sign up for Cobra and unemployment. We're sending you a, we're sending you a letter that says, you know, that you, um, this isn't your fault. Were you surprised by that? Were you, were, did you not expect that? I mean, it, we're all tenuous. I, here, but... I had, I had some misgivings when I was watching them try to figure out what we were going to do. And every day it was changing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also was surprised because I just felt that there was so much that we could do for the community in this moment. Yeah. Like I felt like the, our community that we had cultivated really needed us at that moment. Mm -hmm. But the reality is without, without revenue coming in, they couldn't, they couldn't afford to keep us. Right. Right. And so most nonprofits, um, function with very thin margins, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so do you think that, um, whatever the organization, the, the hospital, the youth, whatever that will come back, your job will come back. Like, how do you feel? Do you feel like it's, I think the, I think if we're lucky, the, the hostels will stay afloat, mm -hmm. but because so much of travel and and the hostel experience is really about wanting to build an in-person community with strangers. That's right. like the opposite of what right. coronavirus is teaching us, right? So one, right. So are you going to have to look for, I mean, hopefully you'll get elected, but I mean, are you going to have to be looking for a job and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, this is are one you, really, Are you uncomfortable about, is that uncomfortable or what's that? It, it is It is uncomfortable. I, I would say, you know, when you have a job that you've had for years, you usually are still there because you feel like you're in community with the people. Yeah, um, it's that working you work with. out, right? It's and and to to begin a new position in this very fearful environment and in this environment where we really don't know where the economy is going, it's it's very unsettling and yeah. and it's also. Um, you know, I'm not even sure, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm like a digital native and I know how to use all of the, right. the computer equipment, but some of my colleagues are older and they're not uh, comfortable with a lot of the technology. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I feel, I feel very positioned for this moment. And I think it's important that we have elected officials that have had the experiences of being a working person in a different industry, mm -hmm. especially in non-lucrative industries, mm -hmm. especially in industries mm -hmm. where they've maybe had to, you know, think mm -hmm. about unions or think about, um, you know, how to protect themselves. Maybe they've had to have experiences applying for unemployment or social services. Maybe, you know, I, right, I experienced right, this also right. at the beginning of my career with the 2008 crash. So, you know, with these experiences, we have knowledge mm -hmm. of, of what it is to navigate the bureaucracy and all the ways that it can be unfair. And that's how we learn how we need to adjust things. Right. Through experience, through your own personal right. experience. And, and so I'm always going to know that at the right, root of the decisions right. I make. It's not going to be about who's offering me what or, you know, what what is it that... Um, I want to, I want to stay on this guy's good side. So no, I, I feel quite comfortable saying that I am here for working people. I have, you know, 15 years of being a full-time working person. Right. And, 
It's and not theoretical. quite unique for a lot of elected officials. Oh, you bet. It's not theoretical for you. It's stuff you've actually, you know, you know how it works and you're not just trying to, but anyway, I want to hear about your background. So tell us where you grew up and what's, what was your family like? Where'd you grow up? Sure. I grew up in Rochester, New York. Uh, and my mom is a nurse and my dad was a law book editor. Mm -hmm. So I, I have an older brother. He is now a nurse practitioner in Vermont. Wow. So he's in the throes of this and his wife is an elementary school principal. So she wow. is also in the middle of this. Wow. Um, they, you know, yesterday in Vermont, she was going around in a blizzard giving laptops to her low-income students who needed help. Wow. Um, wow. So, you know, this is really this is the kind of world that I came from. So I grew up in Rochester um, and my family, you know, was very, very like classic middle class family, but we lived in Rochester because that was an affordable city. Right. Uh, and, um, and then when I was 21 or sorry, no, when I was 18, I went to Ithaca college. Um, so I had some experience in central New York. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, Did, as wait, as let me ask you a question. Did you have, you have leadership skills, obviously. Did you have leadership skills growing up? Yeah. You know, I, um, I actually was really encouraged by my mother to be an activist as a kid. Oh, Anytime wow. I had something that was upsetting me, she said, it's not real unless you write it down. Wow. Unless you make something happen. Good parenting tip. That's yeah. a great parenting tip, folks. I, I really liked, you know, do you have any of those? She did that. Yeah. Do you have any of those? Did that stick with you? Oh, definitely. Like I, I was like, I was commonly sending letters to the editor and to the local paper about yeah. the issues at my school. Um, I remember my Girl Scout camp was closed because of essentially looking back, it was because of global warming. And I wrote about that. Wow. Um, I wrote about overdevelopment in my neighborhood and how much that bothered me that they were tearing down forests to build strip malls. Um, yeah, I did, protested. Did writing? Um, I, I helped a, a classmate sue um, the school because wow. she was sexually harassing her. Was that in the paper? Did that get noticed? That sounds I like... I did. And actually, yeah. that, was, that was probably the best training I've had for running for office because... People were very upset that this teacher. Well, how, old, how old was it? What year? I was, I was 14. Oh, wow. And what happened? Um, it, it was our science teacher. And he, um, he was like kind of a well-known like groper. Uh-huh. And, mm -hmm. and before school, I remember my mom saying, oh, all these parents told me that I should remove you from this class. Like, what do you think? And I was kind of like, well, if the guy's a problem, I'll take care of it. Oh, wow. Wow. So, that's so awesome. So, you know, she empowered, you were so empowered, then, empowered, an empowered teenage girl. We need that, folks. Us, oh, great. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But, you know, it was really, um, it was a terrible experience, but it's, it's prepared me for running for office because... Basically, people were writing into the local paper saying all sorts of terrible things about my friend and I, about how we were lying, about, you know, judgments about, like, our character and all that sort of thing. Wait, let me ask you one question so I can understand. 
so how did did she, how did it become aware? Like, did you guys write to the paper? How did they know that your friend was getting uh, so? Harassed? What happened was she um, we we would stay after school for help, and um, and he would like touch her legs under the table. Mm, nice. And then one day during class, he was like touching her shoulders, and he put his hand on her inner thigh and like pulled her body around. Ooh, and great. um, that's really. And we were shocked. And then she was a really good friend of mine. And we went out in the hall and she just started crying. And she uh, said that she didn't want to go to school anymore. Uh, and she didn't want to be in the class anymore. And I said, well, let's go tell our English teacher who was like a cool, right. like late 20s, like, you know, cool lady. And we told her and she goes, we have to go to the principal right now. And I was really happy because we had a new these are things that I was happy in retrospect. In the moment, I wasn't thinking about it. Oh, right? must have been, yeah. But we went to the principal. We had a new female principal. And she was like, oh, I want to look into who this person is. And she pulled out his file. And she found complaints about him going back to the 1970s. I was in high school in the 90s. And, oh, um, wow. And really? there was even an incident where a, a father had brought a gun to school to threaten this teacher. Oh my God. And he was still like that. And so wait, I just want to understand this. So that was all in his file and it was just like in a file that no one ever looked at or how was like, well, you know, this is like really a lesson for all of us. You know, a lot of, a lot of our institutions are like old boys clubs, right? Where like you're maybe warned about a person's behavior. You tell right. them, no, no, but like, you want to protect that person and you don't actually follow through with, um, with any kind of punishment. Right. Because right. maybe you don't take sexual harassment seriously. Right. Right. So anyway, and, and this yeah. is actually really echoed in one of the reasons why I decided to run for this seat is I have friends who experienced sexual harassment under Vito Lopez, who was an assembly member, um, actually from Bushwick who, um, who was, you know, a well-known sexual harasser and predator. And he was forgiven over and over again. There was all kinds of agreements written with, um, you know, forced on the, um, the staffers who complained about right. him, where right. they were not right. allowed to talk about it. They got settlements that would dissolve if they talked about it. You know, it was really, and there's actually different rules for people who work in government than for the rest of the workforce. So what you're saying in a certain way is that you under, you learn, you understood how the process works from your own experience at a very young age. So what, so anyway, so you went to the principal and then what happened? And the principal said, um, you know, we're going to have you talk to our, our lawyer. And um, we were taken out of the class. We were removed from the class. Um, actually I remember, I can't remember the order of events, but I remember that, um, this teacher was actually removed from the school by the security guards. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's when things got really uncomfortable and I started to have a lot of the students, you know, they were asking for witnesses or for other people mm -hmm. who corroborate right. and a lot of the other students didn't want to participate. Right. Oh yeah. They did not, right. you know. 
And they were scared. Right, of course. Who would want to participate in this? No, I get that. Yeah. And so, you know, she and I ended up having to go and spend a lot of time in the superintendent's office. And um, we were were trained over and over again. And I, I had the experience of like, what it's like to be traumatized and, and potentially go to trial because they kept quizzing us. What leg did he touch? What hand did he use? Wow. And you know, after a while you're like, was my memory real? Like, was my memory false? Like what, what's going on with this memory? You know? And, and so you go, well, I don't know. And he goes, you can't say, I don't know. If you say, I don't know, the whole case is over. So we were like getting prepped for this over and over and over again. And it was very scary. And um, then we heard that the, the um, school had settled with the teacher and um, that he was going to accept early retirement and we didn't have to go to court. Oh, wow. Did you have adults like helping you with this, supporting you? I mean, uh, we had like that, that English teacher was really supportive. I'll never forget her. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my mom told me that she was really proud of me, but you know, I remember getting in the car and saying to her, mom, I have to tell you something. Um, we reported a teacher today and I have to go to court. And what did (laughs) she was like, Oh my God. Cause as much as my mom, my mom is like, you know, she's not a loud mouth herself. She just knew that I was, and she like helped prepare me. Well, Well, you know, I think it's, um, awesome a cool inspiring is that what what i'm getting what sounds like happened is like when you started writing letters and you did this action which is Mm -hmm. huge you got results and i was wondering i was thinking maybe did you get you know started with the letter writing did you get letters back was that satisfying did that inspire you you know getting uh the response you got from the letters as a kid Yeah, definitely. And you know, another thing that I was really inspired to do was whenever I had like a hero, um, my mother would tell me to write them a letter and most of my heroes wrote back too. Wow. So So, do you have any celebrity letters? Well, I have one from um, Ian MacKay, the 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 starter of discord records and wow for minor threat and fugazi oh my god you must have been so see this is great this is great get your kids to write letters all you moms who are like what am i gonna do this is such good information so what happened when you uh, and um did you feel impact? So that must have been extremely empowering for you as a teenager, was it? After the whole thing, yeah, and dramatic, think, horrible, but empowering, was it? Right. You know, it was. It was. What was really interesting with this teacher situation was that we got a replacement teacher, um, Mr. Kudzillo, who was <laughs> awesome, and he was so much more empathetic. He was such a better teacher. Mm-hmm. And it just really, it was like really soothing uh, to know that I didn't cause, you know, I I kept being told to feel bad for this person who was, who got early retirement. Yeah, right. Um, what year but the reality was for the students, we got a better situation. We got a better situation. Mm-hmm. And it taught me that when you are willing to 
stick your neck out and take that risk, even if it causes pain and like a trial for you, it, the result will be worth it. If your, mm -hmm. if your values are lined up and you are steady on that, mm -hmm. it will be worth it to stick your neck out. And wow. this is why I, when I get to certain situations and I think, wow, this is going to be really uncomfortable. This could, this could make enemies. This could like cause me to lose income or whatever, like running for office. It's like, mm -hmm. is, is the result of calling into question our democracy and, and actually pushing the issues that I care about. Wow. Is that worth it? And it always, it always is worth it. Wow. That's so great to hear. So I want to hear what you did with like what, what came out. I mean, a lot came out of that, which we see today, but I want to hear like what, what came out of that right afterwards? Did you, like what happened when you got to college? What happened right after that? How did your relationship, did it change? Like how did boys, boy, you're hetero, right? I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't take that for granted, but um, so how did that like affect your relationship with boys and how did it affect you as a person? Like having that sense of empowerment at such a young age? Well, you know, I think, um, in college, I, I really gravitated towards the teachers who were really willing to call into question um, authority. Mm -hmm. I had a great, great teacher my freshman year, Doc Hawk, who taught all about alternative media and how we should question what we're told in the media, which mm -hmm. was really useful for today. Um, I had a really powerful feminist art history teacher who, who taught a class called um, the artist, a history of an idea, which was like talking about how, um, how misogyny is rooted in the idea of genius and how, um, mm. you know, how women are often kept out of powerful positions, kept out Interesting. Their voice and their story is kept out. So I think all of these things really, um, really helped to empower me to stand up for myself. And actually in my first career in the art world, I experienced a lot of really uncomfortable um, situations <laughs> with, with, you know. Well, you know, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's funny because as you know, um, you, you know, as you listeners know, there's a lot of artists on here and we hear, we hear a lot about that and I'm finding it I don't know, amusing, ironic that you actually kind of started out in the art world. Yeah. What was your, I started out in the arts. I had a traumatic experience. What did you do? What was your role or what was your interest? Were you going to be a curator? Um, I, I, was, I, was, I was wanting to become a curator um, and I, I worked in some galleries and I worked in, for a museum. And so you wanted I to be a curator. Um, with a lot of the kind of mentality of the art world coming in as a feminist, I ended up being happy transitioning out and being an artist assistant for, um, some mm -hmm. artists at I-Beam. Mm -hmm. Um, but you were, I, you were interested in, in art. You were just interested in art and you wanted to organize art and artists. Is that what yeah, you and I wanted, looking at? I, I liked art as, um, in my worldview, art was a way for, for us to get different perspectives and stories and um, mm -hmm. visions of the world. Mm -hmm. And it was a way to relate beyond words to uh, across cultures. 
So it's commu- uh, right, communication. And, and that's really ultimately what I ended up finding in activism instead. Communicating you know? ideas is really what you're talking about. Right. Um, okay, and yeah. I'm just curious because I'm Dr. Lisa, Dr. Lisa questions. So yeah. how, did, how did that affect your, your, you're in a relationship now. We ha- I have no idea. Like I didn't mm-hmm. ask, guys, listen, I didn't ask her about this already. So I just... I did see a guy walk in the background. That's how I was. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I was poor, like, it's poor Andy where I'm trying to use the bathroom. <laughs> You're listening to this on audio, but we we're doing, we're creating it on zoom. So I did see a guy and I thought roommate guy, whatever. So, um, you obviously are in a relationship, but, um, what's your, your, you know, I could see men, men being afraid of you or, you know, how do, how, how did your relationships with men, how did that work out after that incident when you were a teenager? How that Well, you know, I think I had a lot of traumatic experiences with men as a teenager and as an early 20 something, because I really didn't, it was hard for me to balance, you know, I, I felt both empowered and disempowered, right? I felt Mm -hmm empowered in in the other world but like when it came to the relationship world it was it was really challenging because you know patriarchy runs deep in in the the general heteronormative society Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so you know i've always tended to date people coming like kind of punk communities Mm -hmm. i find people in those communities to be a little bit more for lack of a better term, like queer <laughs> and open to right. other other ideas of of mm-hmm. gender and mm-hmm. of of you know individuality and uh, and of mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. So you know, I um I think that it it's always been a little bit of a challenge to find someone who who can take um my my really, my intensity. <laughs> um, I bet. I bet yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy right now. Actually, um, this, uh, my campaign manager and I like to joke that I manifested this relationship because I, I was sitting with him actually in September saying, I, uh, I want, um, a person who has these qualities and I'm going to find that person and that's going to be my boyfriend. And then I, it just actually happened like the next day. It happened really? the next day. The really? next day we were sitting in Park Slope at a bar. We just met with somebody who runs a nonprofit and, and you were saying these things and you're like, you know what, I'm going to get back into the dating world because I'm looking for, for this kind of caring and supportive person. And you met Andy the next day. That is so that's crazy. How did you guys meet? On Tinder. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're a Tinder. Uh, and Andy, Andrew, Andy, Andrew. What were the qualities? I'm Andrew, not Andy. Andrew. So Andrew. So, so my Andy. Oh, uh, your boyfriend's at home, Andy. Yeah. My Andy at home 
We, he is he there? Andrew, Let's look he at him. accepted the name Andy because it was too uh, confusing. We're on Zoom. I want to look at him. Can you get him in here? I know you guys can't. Andy, hear it, come over. I'll, I'll he's, describe he's, he's it on the audio. Oh, wait. He's coming. He's coming. Okay. okay wait, no, he doesn't want to come. Yeah. Now he's running away into the other room. Andrew, what were the qualities that Emily told you? Do you remember any of them? <laughs> I do. What are they? What were the qualities she was looking for in a guy? Tell us. Um, I think, I hope, I hope Emily doesn't. No, Emily. Oh, well. are unfair or anything. But no, no, I think you were at the time, you know, working full time, doing the campaign full time. It's really hard to do a lot of the basic stuff in your life to feel good every day. I mean, and I think she was just looking for somebody who was going to be supportive and like, you know, um, mm -hmm. in every kind of way from like sharing meals and cooking meals and helping, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. around, you know, I just, somebody outside of this, these intense and overwhelming spaces of work and campaign life um, that so, can really support those aspirations, you know. So yeah. Andrew, the first time you met Andy, did, he see, did you say to yourself, yeah, this guy fits the bill? Did you get it right away or... I think I did. I'm trying to remember the first time I met Andy. Was it, it was before, we had this like uh, digital organizing volunteer uh, thing that night at um, yes. Cloud City. And, but I don't, I think I had met him maybe a day or two before mm -hmm. that. And uh, very sweet, very quiet, you know. Oh, uh -huh. um, he's come is out of the show. Is he cute? Shelter. I really want to see him. He is cute. He I is bet cute. he is. I can I tell you from an is. objective third party. Yeah, okay. Cool. We're gonna take. I, I have to brag. Every person who's met him makes a side comment. Oh, cute. Uh -huh. What does he do? Very, I also say he's a very accomplished artist. Is he? Um, what, what, yeah. what? What? What's? What's his last? Can you say his last name? Give us his website. We'll look it up. We got artists. I'll look it. I want to know. <laughs> I'll leave that up to Emily. <laughs> oh, sure. Let me ask him if it's okay. Hold on. What's? Oh, it? we we Andy, don't have can time I promote you this. on this, this call? Is radio. We don't have time. Yeah. We, this is okay. not what. Okay, it's, go. His name is is Andrew Lundwall. L U is accomplished artist and poet. Oh, okay. Is there a website? He doesn't. He's he's redoing right. his website right okay, now. Okay. Well, okay. We'll look at Lundwall. Yes. Okay. We'll look it up. We'll look it up. He would be a great guest for you. He's he's a collage artist. He's he's oh, really we'll great. Oh, look it up. That's a good pitch. We'll look it up. So we're running, we're running low on time here. Um, but uh, I have to say, uh, Emily, you are a real, you are a real inspiration. I love how uh, your mom helped you become an activist. And also, I think what's really, what I've really, really uh, gotten out of talking to you today is the response, the uh, feedback, because I think creative people or people, anybody that makes an effort to do something, um, the satisfaction is in the result. The satisfaction is in the feedback you get, the mm -hmm. encouragement. And uh, I love that you sent those letters out and got the feedback on them that you did, that people responded. And I don't, I think, I don't think that happens enough. Mm -hmm. And um, I love how that's something that we can all learn from you that if you do make the effort and you do have values that are aligned you know in a in a positive way 
that you can make change. And uh, I feel personally very uplifted by that. So I just want to oh, like, really, really, really say thanks. Um, I don't know exactly. Usually I have a big clock here, which I don't, and this is my first Zoom, so I got to fix that. But um, I just want to make sure that we get in all the information. So, um, Andrew, can you uh, go through? go seven and a half minutes, everyone. So I want to make sure Andrew goes through um, how we can get, you know, how we can avail ourselves of what you're doing and get involved and all that stuff. So go ahead, Andrew, tell us. Sure. Okay. So um, the best way to be most immediately uh, up to date with everything that's going on uh, is to sign up for our emails, Hi. which you can do very easily uh, at emilyforassembly.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at em4assembly. Uh, if you want to join our volunteer virtual meeting on Sunday to find out how you can get involved, um, the RSVP link is emilyforassembly.com slash March 29. That's emilyforassembly.com slash March 29. And uh, we'll also have info up later today about our next um, community town hall this Friday at noon about um, small business survival in Northbrook. And that's going to be live streamed on our YouTube page. Fabulous. Okay. And um, when this episode goes up, I will have all that information posted as well. I want to make sure, um, Emily Scott, are you there? I am indeed. Hello. Hi. I want to make sure that we all hear about your show, uh, Objection to the Rule, because it's a really important show on Radio Free Brooklyn. And it's a show, I think that it's, I think it's a founding show. I think, it, how long has it been around? Five, almost the whole yeah. five years of our, 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 of Radio Free Brooklyn existence, right? I believe so. So I inherited the show. I've been involved with Radio Free Brooklyn for, I think, almost exactly a year now. Wait, um, I, just, I just want people to know this. The person that originated your show, Ori, is now yes. like, uh, a, a, uh, like on, on television in a big market. He's a, so... I believe, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, 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 he got a big promotion, and so he left because yeah. he has... He's on TV now, but go ahead, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we, um, it's considered a house show for Radio Free Brooklyn, um, and it's a, a Sunday news hour starting at 1 p.m., and the team that uh, we have uh, does research. We kind of, we decide what stories we want to focus on. Um, we look at local, national, and international issues. Um, and with a very, uh, local Brooklyn perspective, we kind of discuss mm -hmm. those issues, how they affect everyone in the area, um, how they, you know, affect us personally, try it. We try and make it as, you know, interesting discussion to help people kind of understand mm -hmm. what's going on in the world. And, a little and how is, and what's going on right now with you guys with the coronavirus? Yeah. Do you know, yeah. have you thought, have you guys, what's going on? Have you thought about yeah, this yeah, yeah. coming so, Sunday? Totally. So, well, this past Sunday, we we put we worked to put together a special coronavirus-specific episode, um, and there was a bunch of logistical things we had to figure out. You know, how to get audio quality and discussions happening, and just making sure people were presenting their stories uh, in a clear way. Um, but we're pretty proud of what we put together. So, moving forward, we're going to be kind of experimenting with how we can do 
mm-hmm. do the show remotely because a lot of the show is usually a discussion and it's you know it's hard to oh. do that when you're not all in the same room right um yeah which obviously but, <laughs> but, but the um, topics but we, it's also what about the topics i mean we really need this right now. oh yeah no we're definitely gonna keep we're definitely um not gonna stop the show um it's also you know it's just it's figuring out it's adjusting and the show's changed over time as well so this is just another and more um, more relevant than ever right more relevant than ever we focused on just the virus but from a lot of different perspectives um we talked about everything from like why we pay rent at all and how that's an issue now um related to people not having income a lot of people mm-hmm. all at once all of a sudden so that's, also, yeah. that's a topic that emily gallagher's campaign is uh, very involved in right rent uh mm-hmm. rent rent uh pa- what's the word pause a rent suspension rent pause. yeah you're very you're very your rent suspension so you guys are both big advocates for that right yes and there, there's a bill, there, there's now finally a strong bill uh, introduced by Senator Gianaris in the Senate and Yulene New in the Assembly to actually get this done. If you've lost your job, if you've lost income, to pause rent for, for 90 days. Um, so it's out there, call your representatives, uh, sign the petitions, um, you know, hopefully this can move fast because rent is due in a week. Okay, so we only have like two minutes left and I'm going to use this time to just say thanks to you guys. Thank you, Emily Gallagher. Thank you, Andrew Epstein, Emily Scott. I think this was uh, a really, this made me feel good. I don't know. Anything that makes me feel good right now is uh, a win in my book. And I want to remind people that keep listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And I think what we're doing now is more important than ever. And I uh, want to remind people what the programming is for this afternoon because, you know, you guys should stick around. I mean, we, we are all, all the hosts are working very, very hard. The station is extremely active. I'll tell you something else. What we're doing for morale here at Radio Free Brooklyn is uh, we're having our own internal uh, happy hours every Friday now. We had a happy hour on Zoom last Friday and it was great there were like eight hosts we all had like drinks we were toasting each other there was uh Tommy wandering outside in the park and uh it was really great so I just want to make sure that you guys stick around um and uh right after this is going to be uh Elon Danziger lost and rewound he does really funny stories with people and they uh talk about um and they play mixed tapes and they tell stories about that part of their lives Emily Scott when do we just yell out stop and I'll I'll stop the recording how's that about 25 seconds left 25 seconds left okay <laughs> Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, you know, we're all learning here, and I want to make sure I get this uh, recording done on time. So thanks again. Dr. Lisa's here every Thursday, 2 to 3, and I'm going to be doing this for the duration, folks. Stop.